Hey everyone, Sloan here. I am really just delighted to bring you another podcast. Nothing brings my heart fuller with joy uh, than launching another conversation um, out to you guys. This one is really special. Um, our guest, Andrew Bahar, is the CEO of As You Sow, which um, if you pay attention to the world of, I guess what I call granola capitalism, i.e. shareholders who actually care about what the companies they invest in do in the world, um, is one of the sort of foundational nonprofit and advocacy organizations um, that's really making a difference in the proxy process. We talked to him about the powers that are typically afforded to shareholders with regards to proxies, um, how he chooses to engage on various issues. They're active on everything from pesticides to coal and uh, all sorts of other things. Um, and then, you know, the structural changes that he's seen uh, over the years and how he judges the difference between activity and progress. In other words, when does he know that something actually matters? Um, you know, then we talk about, you know, whether or not the largest asset management firms can actually be true fiduciaries in contexts where they have uh, existing client relationships with the companies that the, whose proxies they're voting. Very, very interesting conversation. Um, Listen on and find out why uh, Ashby says that Andy is who he wants to be when he grows up. Um, and, uh, you know, before you do that, or maybe after, or maybe during, I don't know, um, leave us a review so that more people can hear about uh, the work we're doing on the podcast and uh, that we can get more fun guests for you. Um, oh, yeah. And also, if you have a question that you want us to answer in the Dear Ashby segment at the end of it, do not be a stranger. Um, that's lame. Um, go ahead and write us an email, freemoneypod at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at freemoney42069. Take it away, Sharkbait. Ahoy, Free Money Podcast listeners. I'm Sharkbait Buckley, the Disclosure Pirate, and I'm here to set ye straight about what's going on with this here show. Sloan Ortel works for Invest Vegan LLC, a New York registered investment advisor. Ashby Monk works for Stanford University, Adapar, Future Proof, Long Game, and various startups. All opinions expressed by either Sloan or Ashby are entirely their own, and do nay reflect the opinions of their crew or any company. Clients who invest vegan may maintain positions in securities and strategies discussed in this podcast. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Invest Vegan and its representatives are properly licensed or exempted, and a client agreement has been executed. Arr. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Welcome to the Free Money Podcast. It's where we give you the Brooklyn Bay Area consensus about institutional investing that you desperately crave. You do. Welcome <laughs> to Friday. Yep. Yeah. I mean, although it's like, I, I love, I think that part of the reason people like this podcast is because we record it on a Friday, but usually release it on like a Monday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they get the Friday vibes in the pain, yep. the pain cave. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So they just like think we're like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was actually wondering if like the fact that this is like a big treat for us, because this is like one of the mm. more fun things I do. Like not every Same. day you get yeah. to just like show up and wing a podcast for an hour. <laughs> um, if it like translates into enjoyment on our listeners part, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Would love the feedback. Well, I, 
I think that the the lovely thing about doing a cozy podcast like this uh, is that you know we actually like know a lot of the listeners. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and like talk to them, you know. Uh, and so, unfortunately or unfortunately, I don't know what that means for the quality of the feedback that we get from them. Like, oh yeah, no, oh, no, that was great. Doing... That was great. Garden, garden tips, love it. Oh, no, Lo- keep uh... on coming. <laughs> Speaking of um, us, basically just talking to one another. I yep. uh, I had an interesting insight. You know, I've been studying like the technology of investing and I had to give a speech mm-hmm. and I was in the speech and I was trying to explain to people that like my goal is, um, this is a bit of a random thought, but I'm just, I'm going with it because we don't script this thing. Uh, I, my goal was that to bring technology around pension funds in order mm. to make them smarter and better and faster and all the stuff um, that's in that one song. Uh, and <laughs> the Daft Punk song. The Daft Punk song. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You finished my sandwiches. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and some, and I was like, it's like Iron Man, you know, like you, Iron Man's a human being. You wrap that yep. suit around him and now he's a superhero. And then the smart people in the audience were like, but Iron Man, Iron Man built the suit. Like he's pretty smart. Mm. What you mean is this dude, War Machine. This was, he's like the, the, the sidekick of Iron Man because he gets to wear the suit, but he didn't really do it. And then I realized the whole speech was becoming too war, you know? Mm. And I was like, I don't really want to do it. And so I, I come up with a new analogy. Hmm. Do you have electric bikes in New York City? Oh, yeah. yeah it's like the new bikes. thing. Like you can't go into a bike yeah. shop. Everybody's got electric bikes. And yeah. my new analogy for what I want to do to pension funds is you know what you're – if you're driving in a car and you come up on like an elder person riding a bike and they're sitting up kind of tall and chilling out, but they're doing 35. Yeah. It looks unnatural. You're like, what the fuck? This person is killing it. Yeah. 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 They're like sitting vertical on a stand, you know, and they're, they're got gray hair and they're doing 35. And and their gray hair is just blowing in the oh, wind. They're not, know, nobody's yeah. huffing and puffing. You're like, that is the best athlete I've ever seen. That's my new analogy. I want that mm. for pension funds. The electric bike idea. I, that's a lot better. Because, like, yeah, I mean, first of all, the no war thing is big. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, so much, like, I mean, I, like, I, somebody at some point in the 80s was like, let's reference the art of war all the time. No kidding. In, in business conversations. Yes. And then ever since then, it, it all became about war. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's a product that people make money selling. Um, and that transforms the way that they experience their environment. And that's what you're trying to do with data, right? Yeah. Like, you know. Not me. Not me anymore. We're not going to sell war anymore. Not on the free money podcast. We give it away for yeah. free. We give you war for free. Yeah, exactly. We give you the tools to defeat your enemies with uh, nonviolence and uh, good vibes. Exactamente. Um, I can go to the news. Oh, all right. You got news? Oh, unless, wow. you, unless you got anything going this weekend before we move to the news? Um, I am headed out to Arizona for my partner's grandfather's funeral. Oh, um, oh I'm he, sorry. He, it's all right. He passed away um, from he, like from COVID maybe uh, almost a year ago at this point. WTF, um, the COVID got him. The, yeah, COVID, COVID got him. Uh, but yeah, really cool guy. He um, 
immigrated from Iraq actually, um, and was like a civil engineer and built bridges all over um, Arizona and uh, the kind of Mountain West. And fun fact, um, when Claire was talking to uh, one of my family members, who's also from Phoenix, uh, he was like, Huh, is that is your grandfather the reason there are all these random Iraqis in the uh, in, in, in the Arizona Bridge Department? Because my my uh, uncle is like a um, urban planner. He's like, is he the reason that like literally everyone in that department is Iraqi? And it turns <laughs> yes. out that yeah, he like he was you know responsible for a bunch of chain migration. It's uh, amazing. You know, where like because you know yeah, I mean being Iraqi in the 1950s is kind of a weird time. Yeah, uh, so people wanted to get together, you know. They wanted to be yeah. in a group, safer in groups, safer in groups. Yeah. And, you know, and like out just doing cool stuff and building bridges. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to um, it'll just be great to get out to Arizona awesome. and be warm. Yeah. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. yeah. You got anything? Oh, this. Oh, well, yeah, we're getting four. Uh, we're, we've ordered up four doses of the covid shot. Ooh. Yes. Mm, two for the children and while we're there they offered to do the boosters for the parents so i was like yeah we'll do the boosters over there Um, that's a vertically integrated integrated experience yeah i guess yeah so the kids are getting it so like we said last week 5g is gonna be coming in nice and tight yep um yeah (laughs) so that's the plan so i bet we're gonna be like pretty sick you know If, if if it's like the second one i'll be pretty sick the news, Sloan. <laughs> this is personally interesting and mm. crabbiness inducing. Oh, wow. I can't. I'm like. So the it, interesting part up front. It? Interesting part is Calsters, California um, teachers retirement system. I think it might be California state teachers retirement yep. system is moving to the next phase in their collaborative investment model. Which you may hmm. recall, I helped to invent. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's the uh, no, you know personal no, interesting bit. Hair flip. Yeah, like we don't brag much here. Just about every seven or eight minutes. Uh, but so this one, Calsters announced through our friend Scott Chan, deputy CIO at their board meeting, the model's working. He said, hmm. I'm, sh- I'm personally shocked to hear that. I, a lot of people are when they heard that I had anything to do with it. Uh, <laughs> their collaborative model, they describe it as an investment strategy to reduce costs. It's my thing. Mm-hmm. Control risk and boost returns with strategies such as managing more assets in-house. Yeah. Uh, yep. Co-investing. Love that. Love that. Um, Love that. And collaborating with other peers. The collaborative model, according to Scott Chan, helped to add 12 basis points to Calster's overall return in 2020. Which 12 basis points? Yeah. Okay, before you get snarky. <laughs> I know that's like a trillion that's dollars. That's <laughs> $369 million that I just added to the state. That's, okay? that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I'm walking around. Basically, everybody's going to be buying me beers for a little bit. Um, you're you're like you're you're triggering parking tickets and being like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I uh, I have an account with. This be guy. like, you do know my collaborative model. Save the state. <laughs> <laughs> my crabbiness, Sloan. Our nice magazine friends at the Institutional Investor Magazine mm. incorrectly stated in their article on this same topic 
that this model was invented 20 years ago and it's direct investing. That's the Canadian model, Institutional Investor <laughs> Magazine. Gosh. Uh, Quit trying uh, to steal so- my $369 million thunder <laughs> by giving that to the Canadians. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's a California Canadian Canadian <laughs> event. <laughs> but I loved it. What I the reason I had to do this one was like he freaking calculated the bips that this I mean, you know that, that this model like, saved. It seems like it would be a hard thing. I mean, like I, I I'm sure that that foots out and it's really you know. But like I'm amazed that he can do that so tightly because like I, I I don't know what you how you calculate like the agita that you save by not having. <laughs> a bazillion external manager. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, but what, we like, know the data and analytics in these organizations are top notch. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Highly, almost as good as our, our tech. I mean. Almost as good as our tech. <laughs> we are next level technologized. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if... Uh, I, look, I'm just using the fact that he said it out loud at a board meeting as a heuristic for it's real. Uh, but you know, if we had to go and do the math, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I well, but that, I mean, that's, Hey, it's certainly a feather in your cap, whether or not it gets attributed, uh, you know, yeah, I will know. I will note there is zero attribution anywhere today. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's the perks of being an academic. You get to put your ideas out into the, other people the, the world. Them. Yeah. And then have them like commercialized by, uh, yeah, but you know me, <laughs> <laughs> I want to lead it to the water and then do a cannonball in the water. That's what I yep. want to do. That's yeah. Um, next story comes to us from India. Oh, uh, one of my this one is an interesting one because it's about public pension plans and investors um, being attracted to India through tax incentives. And I think hmm. we're used to hearing about um, big institutional investors around the world, you know, CDPQ, OMERS, Ontario teachers. Um, going to India to invest in infrastructure, partnering with this NIIF, Sovereign Development Fund. Um, well, the first Americans that I can find um, got the same uh, tax approval uh, just this week. The School Employees Retirement System of Ohio. Hmm. Huh? It's not like yeah. I've been like re- tweeting about, I don't even, what is that? Serzo. I haven't been tweeting <laughs> about Serzo much. <laughs> That's my favorite acronym of the day. <laughs> um, I think you'll find it's pronounced Cirso. Sir, yeah. Cirso. But anyway, seriously, the School Employees Retirement System of Ohio, which is the public pension plan there, is the latest, according to the news, um, to get this exemption for infrastructure investments in India. And they plan to go and allocate uh, capital there, apparently. According to the, huh. according to the Indian government, I have to say this was the <laughs> Indian government reporting how much money Sirso will be investing in India. Uh yep, 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 yep. But that that's awesome news. I mean, like that's been. Uh, I mean, th- that's in fairness, that's a really, really hard thing to do. Uh, it, just in terms of, I mean, like I, I don't know. I've heard horror stories about pensions involved. You know, going over to India. Whenever when I was over there doing my like grand tour of Indian CFA societies. Um, I would talk about like, are all these pensions doing stuff? And people would be like, yeah. Uh, That's uh, why they set up the <laughs> NIIF to handhold, uh, all, handhold all these organizations. The uh, NIIF, which is the 
National Infrastructure Investment Fund. I had to go into a part of my brain that doesn't involve voice. Um, and so it's the National Infrastructure Investment Fund, and it coordinates um, the investments on behalf. So it kind of is a part fund, part broker. And look, you know, it's a pretty exciting thing. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I got more news for you, Sloan, but I'm also worried that we might have a guest waiting. Mm, we don't yet. Okay, great. That's just how thoughtful I am, though. Mm, uh, yeah, it's just you <laughs> being really mindful. Ah, uh, you know what they say. I'm the most humble person I've ever met. <laughs> Next bit of news. Very personal. My wife's company got funded. Linux. Yeah, dude. Uh-uh. <laughs> yes. So the, that's a big the, deal. the and that's that means my marriage is on stronger ground than it's ever been because when my wife is happy with her job, um, it's still hanging on by a thread. It's just that thick floss, uh, <laughs> you know, the real thick one. That's the marriage. Um, yep. And anybody with two small kids will know what I'm talking about. It's hanging on by yep. a thread. But but yeah. So she just you know since this is the re related parties podcast, um, their company is bringing data and analytics into into public schools, and you know they just closed their seed stage financing. It was a big deal in our family this week. That's amazing. I know that's a, that, I mean that's really and, and Court, that's Courtney didn't she? I I I want to say she did like a Teach for America thing. She did. That's probably wrong. No, you're okay. you're spot on. She spent five years at Teach for America. She was like building the algorithm for admissions, and she did the alumni mm. work because what people don't know about Teach for America, maybe not, is it's mostly about the alumni. They want the mm. alumni to go and run for office and then fix public education. Ah, oh, gotcha. So it's like a, the Federalist Society. Oh, for, uh... <laughs> Just stop there, Slob. For, for public schools, I get it. I that should also sense. mention, this was my other bit of news in the related party segment of our news cycle. I am getting so much outperformance from my vegan asset manager. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, we try. I mean, you, uh, you're just, your October was nuts. They're talking about that guy, Dan Loeb. They should be talking about Sloan. What were you? I mean, it was it was a really good month. I, 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 I feel, like, really edified that, um, I mean, so what happened mostly was that our largest holding is up, like, 30% since the inception of the strategy. Mm. Um, you know, so that certainly is really nice. Um and uh and yeah i mean like i just like it, it's so funny i uh when I, I just got so used to asset manager jargon that i like i was like that's all so dumb uh and like i wrote you know all that stuff off and then i started like actually managing money um and like found myself like really <laughs> go on <laughs> well i found myself like able to able to draw on all these conversations that were like you know from all you know and anyway i just like i've i've now organized the portfolio into like five pretty good themes Amazing. like high level themes yeah um and uh and yeah i mean i think what we were talking about in the last podcast like slimming down yeah. to those 30 stocks you know it was um, fun to go through i mean i got I, just so everybody knows i'm an investor in mm. in the product and it was really cool to go in and see the holdings and um that platform you use is actually pretty slick um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, they, like, like altruists, like they are. Um, I mean, the you know, I, we should have them on at some point on the podcast. Um, 
the could make know, their business. It could really just supercharge. I, you know, I mean, they got like you know fifty million dollars from Vanguard in their Series C, but uh, you know, I, I I think that really what they're waiting on is like that big media. Brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, like the they you know they have a really good technology stack, um, and they have a simple product, which I think is really nice. Um, you know, so yeah, like I I wish that it did more like telling you like helping people evaluate my performance because it just gives like raw number true statement um, i had to you ask know. you like what why are we outperforming we need if what <laughs> but i don't i don't think most managers actually necessarily want that communicated through some technology platform they want to be able to talk about it in like their letter you know yeah exactly and i i am gearing up to write a letter which is very like Full circle for me, as you can imagine. Totally. totally. <laughs> hey, it's like, you're no longer the critic. You know, yeah. you're the chef. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I get to eat my own cooking. Um, anyway, I see our guest is here, and I'm going to go ahead and join him in. Well, we have uh, and- Andrew Bahar with us, who's the CEO of As You So, a literal icon in the era- area of shareholder activism and like, I mean, you're like one of the guys in shareholder act. He's he's rolling yeah. his eyes and and being bashful, but um, there's a short list of guys, and you're one of the guys. Um, <laughs> so, I, like, I wonder if you know maybe a way of getting us started on you know this broad topic of like what people can do as a shareholder to get more out of their portfolio companies. Maybe you could give us like an overview of the powers that shareholders really have within um, kind of the system now. Sure. Well, let me start with, as you saw, the organization that I'm the CEO of, we, we've been around for 30 years. We've been doing it since 1992, and we're focused on corporate accountability, and we do it through the lens of shareholders. Shareholders have incredible amount of power, and most people don't realize it. And in fact, most shareholders abdicate their power before they even realize that they have the power. And that's a lot of our work, is to educate people about what you can do, how the system works and the impact that you can have that actually just can be amplified because when you get a company to change a policy or a practice, it ripples through their supply chain, it ripples through all their employees, it impacts their customers. So thousands of people can be impacted through a very small shift in corporate policy. That's awesome. Um, when we look at, I mean, you guys have done so much on so many fronts. It, it's it's like shocking and impressive at the same time. Can you talk us through how you choose the areas that you want to engage in and, and then um, the steps you take to like go after it so we can all kind of wrap our head around your process? So we have basically uh, several major programs. So the energy program, which encompasses climate change, and then within climate change, it's just grown over the years. We've been working on this for over a decade. So within climate change, we have oil and gas, utilities, pipelines, petrochemical, fracking, banks, and this year we're gonna be adding insurance companies. A lot of components to climate change. The next area is all about plastics. It's about ocean plastics and looking at how do you reduce the use of single-use plastics and reduce plastics overall. The third area is environmental health, which is food systems. And we look at antibiotics and we look at pesticides. We just put out a report last week on called Pesticides in the Pantry, which looks at the use of 
Pesticides like glyphosate, companies spray their wheat, oats, and beans right before they harvest it. So it's, it's getting into all of our flour, into all of our food. And we've seen a major shift, just kind of a side story here. So we've been working on this. We wrote a report about four or five years ago, and we approached Kellogg and we said, you know, you guys are spraying your wheat, oats, and beans with glyphosate, which is Roundup. It's a known carcinogen. And we think that there is systemic risk. We think that there's a material risk to shareholders. And so they looked at it. We also showed them that there were lit litigation going on with people who were spritzing glyphosate in their backyard. There was a $200 million and a $400 million settlement. And we said, imagine when people start to realize that it's in every bowl of Special K, that, that this is going to be bigger than tobacco. And they said, you know what? You're right. And they signed a no glyphosate um, pledge. And they've been working on it now for several years moving it into their whole supply chain. So all the farmers supplying for Kellogg's. Two years ago, we put out a report, a scorecard. One company was working on this. Oh. And we just put out a new one, a second one just last week. Now um, a dozen companies. So half oh. of the food companies are now embracing regenerative agriculture. And we believe it's because Kellogg, by doing this, was a leader. And investors started to put money into this leading organization. Customers started to say, Kellogg Foods going to be safer to eat. And so they started to get more market share. And suddenly the whole sector is following them. And this is how we work. This is how we're trying to generate uh, the signals in order to get companies to really create a regenerative economy based on justice and sustainability. And companies who don't want to go there, they're going to stay in the current extractive model. And we believe they're going to wind down that we're at this moment in time where there's this shift that is happening and companies are picking one road or the other. And so it's a really, it's an amazing moment. And just the change over two years is, is quite dramatic. Um, Before I didn't finish the whole social side of things. Uh, so on the social side, we work on racial justice, oh, diversity, sweet. equity, inclusion, excessive CEO pay and slavery and supply chain. So those are the main program areas. We are not overpaid here in terms of the Free Money Podcast CEOs, um, or co-CEOs. But uh, what I was going to ask you, when you think about adding insurance, why not add asset management? Why not? Like one, th these are organizations that are ostensibly going to go price climate risk or integrate climate risk into their underwriting or into you know property and casualty policies or whatever it is. Um, why not add the full financial services industry, all the people that are allocating capital? Well, we are working with banks. So we started with okay. Dakota Access Pipeline, where we're working with Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Citi, and getting them to what we call financed emissions, to disclose financed emissions. At that point, at the point of, of DAPL, Banks were making loans to companies that were running pipelines across indigenous, sacred indigenous land. And they were just saying, hey, we gave them money. We don't know what they're doing. It's not our problem. And we're saying, you know, it actually is because your brand is being associated with people being hosed down with fire hoses, indigenous people in sub-zero temperature, that your brand is on that now. And they had to say, you know what? It's true. It, it is true. And <laughs> yeah. so they started to now... It, it, with quite a lot of precision to actually say that any of any of the greenhouse gases from loans that they make are going to be disclosed and are going to be accounted for. So 
that that's part of it. So banks are a big part of it. We also have a whole a platform where we evaluate mutual funds. So we rank and rate 3,000 mutual funds updated once a month cool. on fossil fuels, which means big oil, coal, pipelines again, um, fossil-fired utilities, as well as deforestation. We look at private prisons. We look at um, weapons, gender. So we are looking at banks uh, in terms of the banks who are funding deforestation, and we're about to add banks that are funding climate change. But you Perfect. asked me about asset managers. So um, folks like BlackRock- yeah, mutual funds. Mutual funds count. There you go. Yeah, so BlackRock's a big big company, and BlackRock could have a major impact on on shifting the whole nature of things. I mean, when BlackRock says we're gonna we're gonna vote in a certain way, companies they scurry to to try to uh, get on the right side of that, uh, and that's something that we've asked BlackRock uh, often and in different ways. We filed resolutions with BlackRock uh, two years ago, and then last year, and this linked to they signed a a pledge to shift from what's called shareholder premacy to stakeholder premacy. Now, in the summer of 2019, the Business Roundtable came out with a new purpose of a corporation, a whole new philosophy of why a business should exist. It basically threw Milton Friedman's ideas under the bus. The World Economic Forum also came out then a few months later in January and supported it. So. Basically, all the major structures, all the big, big business globally has now come around to thinking aligned with shareholders. For 50 years, uh, when the first, you know, when the Jesuit priests and the nuns were there at GM as talking about apartheid, that was about stakeholder capitalism. That was about take care of your employees, take care of your community, your customers and your supply chain, and you will have a more successful company. So it, it involves looking at a little bit longer term than what companies are used to. But now, well, all the companies have agreed to us, to the same philosophy that we've been talking about. And so this whole idea of this regenerative economy is really an offshoot of that. This is the implementation of the new philosophy. Mm. So we've been talking to BlackRock about how are you going to implement this? And they've improved. They This year they voted 17... I'm sorry, last year or previously year, 17% they voted uh, against management. This year, 34%. So they doubled it. They've hired a new person. Wow. They seem to be moving in the right direction. We don't think it's there yet. Vanguard's not a public company. We can't file a resolution at Vanguard. And Vanguard will vote with management pretty much all the time. Vanguard's whole philosophy is indexing. We don't touch the companies. We don't. We just place our bet on the extractive economy and wherever it hmm. falls, it falls. Uh, Vanguard's a problem because most companies have their 401k plan. That's their retirement plan in Vanguard retirement um, in what are called target date funds, which are heavily invested in fossil fuels, deforestation. Mm. And in fact, we just, we just published the 401k report cards on Amazon, Comcast, Visa, Microsoft, Apple, and Facebook. And we're going to be working our way through the S&P 500. But the point is, Amazon, well, they have 100,000 electric vehicles. They're taking their data centers, um, powering them with renewables. But every Amazon employee is invested in companies that, yes, are burning down the Amazon. And the cognitive dissonance of that 
is I think really powerful. And so we met with Amazon about it and the first meeting was great. They were like, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, as a person, these are people who are running the 401k plan. I'm invested in these. I didn't realize it. Um, the second meeting, they simply shut it down. They must have, it was, it was like a few weeks later. They just said, <laughs> we're not changing anything, nor do we want to discuss it any further. So, oh, mm. so we've escalated. We're filing a shareholder resolution. And, and so we're going to, you know, escalate it as it should be. And employees really should be thinking about this. As an Amazon employee, do you want to be invested in companies burning down the Amazon? It's a pretty simple question. That's a really, really interesting, like, you know, kind of frontier of advocacy, um, you know, because, yeah, I mean, like as an asset manager, that's a thing. I, I mean, you know, predictably catering to a very, um, you know, granola-y segment of the population with invest vegan, my vegan asset manager, <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, usually you you have this this period where people go, you know, I haven't thought about that. Then they realize it and they go, oh, my God, that's terrifying. And then they go it's either too hard or I'm going to do something about it. Here's, here's the thing. If you lined up and you can do this on our tool, you can go there, just go up there and, and select target date funds, put the Vanguard 2030, 2035 target date, the BlackRock one, the TIA one. And there's a company called Natixis that has a sustainable one. And you look at them and you go look at the grades and you're going to see D's and F's in every one except Natixis. And then look at the returns. Natixis beats them every single year. <gasps> They out uh, so yep. the fiduciary, it's actually legally required that they, if they're going to be just looking at financial returns, they would actually be investing in the sustainable fund. If those are the target date funds you're going to pick from. So the argument around that there's more risk, it's just, it's just a myth. And I think people are ready to dispel it. But the problematic thing is, and this goes for like, sort of like the whole human race. Because if you look at every pension fund in the world, nobody knows how they're invested. Everybody's working hard. I mean, people are working and they're putting away, you know, 2%, 4%, whatever it is for their retirement, for the future. Across the planet, they are invested in companies that are making sure there's not going to be a future to retire into. And you look at that and go, that's really an interesting design that the banking industry has created to keep everybody in the dark. Why not just tell everybody exactly where they're in, what they're invested? And that's what we're about. That's what, as you so is determined to have complete transparency at every 401k plan, 403b plan, all the endowments, all the foundations, and all the funds. Uh, nobody has a clue what's going on. That's like a very free money, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's like the, it's literal music. Like I can stand up and dance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, true. I mean, we're just putting out these data sets. I mean, every month we're updating the data set and we built the code base of investor values to be able to show every mutual fund and ETF in the world. We just don't have the funding to to license the data from Morningstar, but we literally could could do that if we somebody said, hey, let's expand this. And we intend to. We're going to we're going to find somebody to fund this eventually. Uh, I'm curious, like, you know, uh, the, you know, most of the, the people listening to this will, will be institutional investors who are, you know, like probably pretty aligned, uh, you know, just by virtue of being a part of the small group of insane people who listen to this podcast, um, you know, with the idea of getting this transparency out there. 
what does partnering with as you so look like for you know say like um what was the name of the ohio base the the ohio based plan you threw out earlier after <laughs> oh no uh, <laughs> So here's so I can't remember what it was. It anyway, would, but for, a, for 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 a given midsize plan, uh, you know, what would the nature of that engagement look like, and and what would you be looking for in that? So a couple things. Uh, one, we have a voting service called As You Vote. It sits on the Broadridge Proxy Edge platform. So um, and endowments and financial advisors and mutual funds they subscribe to As You Vote. So we vote every one of their shares at hmm. every company on every issue and we're way cheaper than ISS and we are completely ESG aligned. Amazing. We believe there should be 50% women on the board. We vote against a vast majority of the overpaid CEO, um, you know, say on pay, we vote for every shareholder resolution, except for the ones that are, there's a few that are put out by like very right-wing conservative groups. So, um, so that's one thing you could do. And also just a note, the fee that's charged by Broadridge, they it's $15 per meeting. They keep five for their services. They give us 10. We use five for advocacy. We donate out the other five to groups that are doing education on sustainable investing. So to help the whole field, to educate endowments and foundations. So the, the money you'd be spending on voting at ISS would be much better spent on more advocacy and education. That's a no-brainer. No-brainer. Yeah. The other thing that we do, so we filed, um, so last year, or actually this year, in 2021, we engaged 188 companies on all those issues I discussed before. And of those 102 companies said, hey, this is great data, great idea, let's go do it, or somewhere like that. 86 told us to take a hike, and so we filed a shareholder resolution. So we escalated to an 86 of them. Of those, once we got into it, about half of them we found a way to withdraw. In other words, they agreed to terms, we withdrew. So only about 40, 42 or so went to went to vote. And, and of those, we had a 43% vote and five majority votes, including a 98% vote at General Electric. A, um, we had majority vote at American Express on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So uh, big, big votes. And so we don't own shares of any companies. So people who do own underlying shares, um, we have, you know, there's companies we are engaging with. If we, we find people who care about the subject, who own the shares, and they authorize us to file on their behalf. So another way to work with us is to, is to authorize us to work with us to either co or lead file resolutions. So, so that goes on. And, um, I mean, those, those are really two, to really actionable things that uh, you know, that companies can do. And the third thing is really look at what's in your portfolio. And we help people do that a lot, uh, where we do an analysis of their retirement plan, for instance. And you find that they're generally out of alignment with the sustainability goals of the organization. So, you know, look at, look at all of that is really important. How do you- how do you know when when you're doing one of these, you know, maybe it's when you're escalating or when you're any of these engagements, when you're really striking a chord and having impact? Like, what is that outcome that you're looking to achieve um, in one of these projects? So let me tell you a couple stories, I think is really the best way to do it. So an example would be um, friends of ours, you know, colleagues who create a scorecard. It always starts with research. 
you got to start with research because when you do the research well and your methodology is solid and your key performance indicators are solid, now you can make an economic story to the company. What you're, what you're doing is you're coming with a new economic plan. So company scores a zero on know the chain. That means that they've got slavery in their supply chain. It's not going to be good for the brand. So we called them up um, and we said, hi, you know, we're, we represent shareholders. You guys scored a zero on know the chain. <laughs> These people are experts. I mean, we, we really know that we've worked with them for a decade. Your direct competitor scored a 52. Like, what up? Like, what, what's going on here? And they're like, well, it's just not our issue. We don't, you know, it's just not our thing. And so, so well, yeah. imagine being that guy. This is their head attorney. This is, this is an attorney I'm talking to. Okay. It's like a vice president level attorney. Yeah. So I said, well, that's just not good enough because it's associated with your brand. Now you scored a zero. He's like, well, I'll go talk to the board and stuff. So they comes, comes back and he goes, we're just not going to do anything. Will you withdraw? And I'm like, no, why would I withdraw? Um, so, Anyway, no, or that, that, at that point we hadn't filed. So we're going to file a resolution. So we file a resolution. We get, now, now, by the way, these votes are non-binding. So even if you get a 98% vote, company doesn't have to do it. But if you get above a majority, what happens is, and the, and the company does nothing, people will vote against the board the next year. So an ISS and Glass Lewis, the proxy advisors generally will do that. So anyway, we put in the, the resolution, have more meetings. Um, we get a 20% vote, which is pretty solid for your first year resolution. Anyway, all this publicity around at the company kind of came to their senses. When I was at the annual meeting, this is pre-COVID, I met with some of the board members like during the coffee break. And they said, we got it, we get it. So after the meeting, the company literally hired an outside consultant. They completely transformed their entire um, purchasing department, all their contracts, and we laid out a, a withdrawal agreement um, to not file again. And it laid out what the targets are going to hit in, you know, in 2020, 2021, all the way up through 2025. And I meet with them every year. And they have they they always beat their targets every year. They in 10 months, they did a complete transformation, which we then use as a case study for all these other companies to say, we can't do it. It'll take years. It's going to cost too much. It's doable. Amazing. And, so that's like one example. Another example, antibiotics in, um, in meat, in poultry in particular. So we see this as a real problem, that there's what happens if you're giving um, poultry every meal, they're getting antibiotics in their feed, the, um, the bacteria start to evolve and you get superbugs that become antibiotic resistant, very dangerous. So we went to Tyson, Purdue, Sanderson, the big poultry producers, and we said, this is a problem. And they said, take a hike. So we took a hike down to their customers, to McDonald's. And we said, this is really important. And they said, well, it's like, we have so much going on. And we have a good relationship with McDonald's. We got them to stop using styrofoam and things. I'll tell you about that in a minute. So we took a hike down and talked to their customers. So there's all these moms and dads that are like mom and dad bloggers. They're saying, we're not going to let our kids eat chicken McNuggets because of superbugs. So help them amplify the message, took that back upstream to McDonald's. We go, we have a McNugget crisis here. We're having a market share crisis. And they said, you're right. They signed a no antibiotic pledge. We took it to Wendy's. They did. KFC, once you get KFC, man, you're pretty good if you're doing poultry. Um, 
Burger King took that upstream and Tyson Purdue, Sanderson all said, okay, all of our customers are not going to buy our product. We have to change. So it took us a couple of years, but using market forces, we worked our way through a supply chain and got significant, you know, change. Um, I'll give you one more. It's awesome. I don't want to take up too much time, but um, Ocean Plastics. We filed a resolution at Yum Brands. We met with them. They didn't want to do anything. And by the time we got a good vote, et cetera, they agreed to stop using styrofoam in 6,700 stores globally. McDonald's agreed to, Dunkin' to, three billion styrofoam cups were not produced this year because of that shareholder advocacy. And we're a little, I mean, there's like a team of two people, you know, that are, are doing this. And so, you know, who are focused on specialized on ocean plastics. So that's significant. And that has a, an impact on oil and gas production because oil and gas are the feedstocks for styrofoam. Plus all the marine animals that are, all the styrofoam that gets into the ocean, they think it's food and they eat it. And, um, so you can have a real impact. It's, it's a very leveraged impact. I want to give you all my money. <laughs> it's just so impactful. It's like we're sitting here trying to solve these problems, and you're like, "Yeah, I had two guys. We like, you know, three, three billion <laughs> yeah, things." No, to... <laughs> let me let me push back on that because communications is okay. absolutely critical. That people people don't understand their power, and you guys are talking about it, and you guys are getting people to actually realize it. No. This telling of the stories and the communications is as important as as all the other work. It is you need it. You need all of it. And I think one of the reasons that we do so well is that we work with grassroots groups. You've got to have frontline communities, the most impacted customers. You work with the consumers. You work with shareholders, and then eventually it turns into policy. But what's interesting about policy because we've seen this where we don't really do policy work because We've seen like, you know, laws change and suddenly there's all these fines and then the companies just go, oh yeah, you know, we have a line item in our budget. This has had to do with fracking. We were had a whole thing around using diesel fuel as a fracking lubricant. And we spent so much energy on it and the companies are just like, oh yeah, you know, we got $25 million line item that's for environmental fines. <laughs> yeah, they, they're not, they didn't change their practices. They just simply allocate a portion of their profits to the fines. So you need it all. Yeah. You got to have all those wow. all of those vectors of power working together in order to actually get a transition. It's not easy. That's yeah, that's a great example of when a fine can sort of become a license uh in the way that it's like, you know, functionally mm. uh, you know, contemplated. I mean, and you know, I, I one of the things that obviously is underlying all of this is great research. Um and like I'm a I'm a big user of your reports um and uh you know like please keep putting them out i love them um but there was one that i saw that, you know that looked at how asset manager asset management firms vote their proxies when they have a commercial relationship with the company that they're voting on um and like i you know i guess like it's not shocking that like if uh you know say, you know, some asset manager is, you know, dealing with a client uh, thing, they're not going to get all activist -y, um on them. But 
I'm curious what to you that says about stakeholder capitalism and um, kind of the nature of the plumbing of this whole system. So, I mean, imagine you were an asset manager and were, would you vote against the CEO pay package of somebody who's deciding whether you're going to get a massive contract or not? It's very difficult. <laughs> and and Tough. here's the thing, uh, you yeah. know, and I talked to the companies after we put that out, they were not happy. Um, they felt that, that the name of it, that we were saying, we should have put a question mark. We should have said conflict of interest question mark. I actually regret that. We should have said, here's the data. Is there a conflict of interest as opposed to implying or stating that there was intention? Because they say they've actually got firewalls between these things. Now, the fact that six years in a row at every <laughs> single company, but you know, but, but can you actually draw a correlation? That's, that's really a question. We're actually going to be redoing the report with new hmm. data from 2021. And we're going to be acknowledging that because they, they called us up and met with us. And I really take their input quite seriously. Um, so, and, and we had good meetings and we showed, took them through our data in deep detail. And they agreed that our data was accurate, that we had accurately pulled 3 million data points, as well as scraped all of the data from the SEC filings. You know, so it wasn't like they were, that they were wrong. It was just, was there intentionality behind it? And I don't know that. Um, so I think that maybe one solution is that if you are the record keeper, if you're running the 401k plan for a company, you should recuse yourself from voting on their proxies hmm. because you're going to be, it's just, it's, I think it's really hard to not be somehow biased if you've got, you know, you're doing business with them. So that's, or what I think is even a better solution with that, they would assign it to an independent third party, like as you sow. so. So hmm. if say, you know, BlackRock was, had, the Amazon, actually it's Vanguard, has the Amazon 401k plan. They should assign us the right to vote because we're an independent third party. Hmm. Um, the other thing that's happened, you've seen BlackRock actually just announced that they are letting the pension fund, big their biggest clients, are going to be able to vote, decide on their own voting guidelines. So you got like a CalPERS or a CalSTRS and, or, you know, any pen of these big pension funds are going to be able to say, Rather than voting ISS standard, which means voting against all the resolutions, I want to vote <laughs> ISS. I want to vote ISS SRI, which would yeah. vote for all the resolutions. So, so now on the one hand, it it splits the vote. So we got to go convince more pension funds now to vote for our resolutions that they're that that's the right move. Um, but I think it was an interesting move by BlackRock to do that to actually take the pressure because they were getting so much pressure. For, for the way they vote, they're saying, well, we're just going to let our clients vote. But now take that out to the extreme. We know there's a startup that's um, actually created technology to completely split the vote into you know, fractional shares. So if you own a, you know, some shares of a Vanguard or BlackRock um, ETF, you could vote your own. Now, that means, though, that we're going to have to go out and train everybody well, all these retail people don't vote. And that's a problem. Like 30% of all of the shares out there are simply not voted. Yeah. And so when we, we do our calculus of, you know, how, how this is going to come out, you sort of don't count the retail. And if everybody got together and started to vote, yeah, it would be a huge, uh, 
that would be a total shift. I think you'd start to see way more majority votes. I mean, look, this year in 2021, there were 34 majority votes. That's more than double what the highest number in the previous years. Let's put it this way. As you saw, we had five <laughs> majority votes this year. We had four last year. The previous 27 years, we had two. Yeah. And there were like so, 6,500, 7,000 public companies in the U.S. <laughs> I mean, just that. Yeah. You know, I, I, can it keep growing like that? I don't know. This is just, this is going to be an interesting year this year. Also, I'm hopeful. Yeah. I mean, like I, my custodial platform that I have for our separate accounts doesn't allow us to vote shares yet, but it will in the next three, uh, three, six months, you know, uh, probably, I don't know what startup you were talking about, but, um, are you, are you doing it with, with, um, who's, who's, who's doing your voting for you? Uh, well, I would be, I would, I would be, you know, picking the vote, the votes, but, oh, um, you, are you going to vote them yourself? Yeah. Uh, but it would be uh altruist that's doing the, okay. um, the stuff. Um, I mean, although, you know, I'm sure I will be taking, paying very close attention to what uh, the good folks at As You So put out. Um, I, I feel like Definitely. I could talk to you about this for hours. Um, thank you so much for coming on the thank pod. Thank you. And, sure, my pleasure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, yeah, I guess just, just one last thing, which is just know what you own. Like, first thing to do is just look at just look look at everything that you own and realize that you have incredible power not just on your investments you probably don't know what's in your 401k ask look we build as you so.org a-s-y-o-u-s-s-o-w.org there's tools invest your value you can figure it out um talk to your 401k plan manager you can actually change this but also everything you buy like think about that every every time you buy something it's a vote where you bank, it's a vote. Every time you, if you have a credit card, you are sending signals. And so just don't underestimate your, your, your power and don't abdicate your power. You know, use it and organize. If, if shareholders can organize, the bottom line is every company, the board of directors reports to you. You're a shareholder. If the board of directors can't set a strategy and incentivize their executives to execute on that strategy, then they are failing in their, their fundamental oversight duties. And they report to you. So you've got to let them know. Otherwise, you have failed in your duties. So it's um, use your power. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend and long distance high five to you, sir. Exactly. Uh, where, where, where are you guys based? Uh, I'm in Brooklyn. Ashby's in Los Gatos. Yep. Oh, great. Oh, okay. Where are you we, in Brooklyn? Uh, I'm in Bed-Stuy. Okay. Yeah, my son just uh, was in uh, Greenpoint. He just actually just, just moved to Providence. He, yeah. Edgy. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. Couldn't take the 600-square-foot apartment anymore. He got a five-bedroom house for less money. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. And depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you got better pizza. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, uh, it's good to no, chat. I'm not in New York. I was born in New York and went to NYU and lived there forever um, until I moved out to the West Coast. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's home. It's the right place to be. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you so much. We'll chat to you soon. Yeah. No, pleasure. Be well. Bye. Yeah, bye. Ah, wow. Amazing. Well,
what an interview. I know you have to go in like one minute. No, I can go till I, I we can finish the thing. Oh, uh, okay. You, the is your uh, I, uh, 340. I pushed it back to 340. Oh, nice move. Yeah. Wow. Um well, I mean, how fucking cool is Andy Bahar? Like <laughs> Well, I give you I give you like ridiculous props for finding like that other person out there that like I would want to be when I grow up, you know? Yeah, but that's that's it. I, yeah, I mean, like I, you know, sometimes when I when like I mean, you usually you find you find the guest. Sometimes when I find the guest, though, I'm like this. Ashby and this guy are gonna have a bromance, dude. Uh, <laughs> like this whole thing about like just know what you own, like use the markets to fix the markets, like do judo moves on people. You know, when he's like, look at the Texas's like funds, like it outperforms. Like he says all the stuff. Um, yeah. Like. Please give this guy more money. You know, like I, I just know. want him to ramp what he's doing. Yeah, um, yeah. Seriously, I well, it's it, you know, and I I can't stress enough to everybody who's listening. When an as you sell report drops, you're f- fucking crazy not to pay attention to it, just because it every single time will give you insight into industry level stuff in sustainability that is not typically captured in frameworks. You know, like they're they're out great. here going, you know, they're going like. Oh wow! Like this pesticide that people haven't thought about is out there, um, you know. And like, I don't know. It seems he's a storyteller to too, which is like he said. It's an it's a very effective way of you know explaining what's going on. You, you know, you find a really good case study that illustrates the power. Um, good for them. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to do uh, when we get a uh, when we do free money live uh, the conference. We'll have to. Uh, you know, get him back for a fireside chat. But it's time for Dear Ashby. Oh, we're skipping to that. What about the hard thing? Oh shit, hard thing. Sorry, I, I got I got all kerfuffled. Um, You're supposed to go. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do the the hard things. Yeah. What's your hard thing? You started talking about the hard thing before. Yeah, you're gonna edit it out though. Yeah. So it doesn't sound too crazy. Uh, my hard thing. So you know, I was I've been pitching a lot. And yep. I find that when you're a founder of anything, or you're building something new, you got to tell the same story over and over again. And this week, I had one of these situations where I had three half an hours in a row where I had to tell the same story, like <laughs> literally the same story. And on the third half hour, I looked up at the people that were there and I, they looked pretty bored or, or like there was some, I think I caught a strange look on one of their eyes. And so I got worried that I was telling them something that I had already told them in that meeting. So like I was literally repeating myself. And so I stopped and I was like, did I already say this to you guys? (laughs) And then they all kind of looked up and they were like, no, no, you didn't. Oh, thank God. Thank God. No, but, but it was like, instead of like, repeating it to them, I ended up being like that crazy person that has voices in their head. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, either way, like it ended poorly for me. Um, but yeah, so that was hard. How about you? Mm. Um, mm, let's see. You know, I had, I, I think, so I do this weird thing in my portfolio where I only buy and sell stocks once a month. Um, and I somewhat arbitrarily decided that the buy sell day was uh, going to be the new moon. Um, because I don't Interesting. know. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like, just, it keeps me out of the cycle of the market or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, you but use, if you, you, you use your crystals, 
And yeah, uh, I, I mean, you know, I don't. It's not as much as like it's just like you know, it's you got to pick a date. Some people pick the first and whatever. Um, but if you're trying to do that, like, how do you determine when you put in the trades? Because the new moon usually happens after the market's closed. Um, you know, so I had this thing where I was like, Fair do point. I, you know, day like, after, do, yeah, yeah. Do I put? So like, I settled on finally. Um, putting it in uh, after the new moon happens. So that you know, it's the first day of the new moon that the trades go in. But in the meantime, I was panicking because like the, one of my biggest holdings is like we said in the beginning is, is up a bunch. Um, yeah. And it was trading up and up and up and up and up. And I was like, no, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on, come on. No, 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 no. <laughs> Am I missing my, you know? <laughs> um, but then it, it actually sold off literally oh. the day and which is like what i found has happened which is so weird and unscientific and crazy um but i like i actually think that this weird hippy dippy pattern that i've developed is like yeah well it's you know it's it's like how biodynamic farming works you know like you you only you're supposed to like do certain things at certain moon Fair patterns. point i haven't i haven't like gotten to the point where i could call myself a biodynamic asset manager but um, nor am I full of it enough to want to do that. Um, Biodynamics as applied to investing. <laughs> I I don't think I'm quite ready to jump the shark. Awesome. But yeah, that was my hard thing. <laughs> it's uh, a good one. Let's, let's, do, let's do Dear Ashby. Let's do it. So just a quick overview. This is the part of the show where we take questions from listeners. Um, and we you know, eat super spicy hot wings. And we eat super spicy hot wings. <laughs> um, yeah, the first question is, how do you feel about, how do we feel about pensions investing in cryptocurrencies? How do we feel? I feel okay about it. I know there's been a bunch of news about this lately. Um, and I think of it as like a potentially interesting diversifier. Just like, yeah. you know, if you go back to the 90s and you think about, you know, you could have invested in eBay or you could have invested in pets.com. I think it's okay if you, you've got long-term investors investing in the Ebays out there. You know, I would say that's probably more like Ethereum rather than Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's like th this is a new business model. I mean, the true like speculative sit, uh, you know, maybe you, you do it through like broadly diversified funds and the way that you used to access, access venture capital. Yep. Um, but I think at this point, there's so much value that's being created. You probably need some exposure. You know, if like you think of like a highly diversified, broad portfolio, multi-asset, like, yeah, you probably need to do something. Um, yeah, a lot of people are just, seem to be just like clutching their pearls about it. Um, like, oh, yes, well, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, people like pensions invest in all kinds of esoteric assets. Yeah. Like you, you know, think of a pension as being conservative, but the reality is through, they have to go take risk. That's the first yeah. thing. Like to meet yeah. the return targets, they got to take risk. There's no return without investment risk. And so where are they going to get that risk? It's not from US treasuries, you know? And then it's like, well, what risk is prudent? Well, I would say yep. like, based on what I know about Ethereum and all the different coins that are being built on top of it, it's, it's like legit. Yeah, you it's know? a thing. Yeah. No, that's a pretty good take. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's like, it seems kind of nuts to not own any at all. Um, 
next question is should real estate be tax deductible? Mm, that's right. I, you know what? I like anything that incentivizes people to invest in real shit mm. um, rather than tokenized animal coins. <laughs> you know, like the good news about your house is it's it's a real thing that you you know you That's can watch true. over and, and cultivate. I like that. I think it was in the the last tax cut. They only had that incentive up to a mortgage that is still pretty big. It was like 700K or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like people with jumbo mortgages shouldn't, you know, that's a like, we don't need to be incentivizing people to go get giant mansions. But for people, you know, that are lo looking to get on the housing ladder and want to get a 400K mortgage, I think it's okay to give them an incentive to write the interest off. Yeah. Um, the reality is like interest rates have been so freaking low that it hasn't been that big of a write-off anyways, but at some point it may point. come back. Yeah. It's, I, I guess, you know, one, the one question that I see embedded in this question is should real estate be an asset at all? Like, should, should we be thinking about our home as an investable asset or should we be thinking about it as, you know, like the Germans famously all rent. I probably brought that up a hundred times on this podcast, but. Um, I dig it. And know. if we had like a proper retirement industry that prepared people for their future i would be like yeah like is, is home ownership the right point. is home ownership the right thing point. unfortunately we've kind of outsourced retirement security to homes yeah yep i know it's my parents i mean my that's parents the forced savings vehicle. is is a forced savings vehicle my house is a forced savings vehicle you know it's like if you live in california and you own a home like dude, a big part of your wealth is in your house <laughs> by definition, unless you yep. happen to be, you know, some VC or something. Yeah, exa exactly. You know, the, the, you own a one bedroom house for $2 million. <laughs> yeah. Um, for real. That's like a real thing. Yeah, that's, that's a very <laughs> real thing. Um, the last question I love uh what would the evil version of you be like no <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you know we're not talking to the evil version of me um i love this one because i was like all right what and i started thinking through like what is the evil version of me and i kind of started out being like like a hedge fund guy you know <laughs> and i was like no 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 don't be so fast to like think about it you know and then I was like, all right, so let's, let's start with the premise of what is, what am I, what is like my objective here with free money, but also with all the other shit I'm working on. Mm. I want to like, this is me getting real with you, son. I kind of want to fix capitalism. That's why I loved yep. that guest today. Yep. You know, I think like sustainable, you know, uh, capitalism is this incredible engine of opportunity and freedom and like just fucking imagine if we could make it more resilient and sustainable and like start pricing climate change and move capital to the right places so like that's what i'm working on at stanford at adapar on the free money podcast indeed um and so then i'm like okay so if my purpose as the as in theory <laughs> the positive ashby is to fix capitalism the evil ashby wants to ensure capitalism remains broken in order to maximize the profits I can extract <laughs> from that broken system for myself and my friends. I would revel in the uneven, unfair nature of markets. I would actively mm. encourage, in fact, that these markets remain broken so I can get richer. So huh. 
basically, I would be a hedge fund manager. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so like, I ended where I started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. My side yeah. hurts. Yeah, no, but like I, I mean, it's I, I, I was as you were talking, I was like, is he, is he going to be talking about like some like private equity <laughs> strategy where he like uses lobbyists to like? Yeah, but like you it's, know, it's you know, if you think about like how hedge funds make money, right? Like they want the sh- shit broken because yeah. there's mispricing and arbitrage and all the stuff. Yeah, um, and and part of me thinks that they like see actively seek to maintain those dysfunctions. I mean, I'm sure some do. I mean, like, there's so many hedge funds, right? It only yeah. takes like it only takes a hundred to give the whole industry a bad reputation. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I would also. But some are good people. I assume. Yeah. some I hear are good people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got to build a wall. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Around Wall Street. Around Why do you think Greenwich. they call it Wall Street? That's where we're gonna lock them. Yeah. No. I mean, like, it's none of them are on Wall Street anymore. They're all up in Greenwich. Ah, uh, that's uh, true. You know, taxes like, are too high. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I too would be a hedge fund manager uh, if I were more evil. Yeah. Um. And and who knows? I like invest vegan may at some point start a hedge fund, but uh, <laughs> impact hedge probably. fund. We can like blow up. We, yeah. You, you know. Yeah, you can do that shit. Yeah, I shit. mean, but, but like, but you know, I mean, we're making it cool. We are. All right. Garden uh, tip. Speak- Garden, Garden tip. tip. I got what one you- quick one, and then I gotta go. All right. Here it is. Don't secure your 21-foot inflatable Halloween blow-up cat to one of your <laughs> to one of your trees cuz it oh, will you, pull it over. In did way. you lose another tree? <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> God dang. <laughs> I think I would know better. I didn't know what to tie my giant cat. This cat was so big. It it's it, <laughs> like you could see it from space. Is your is your house just like you can like barely bu- see my house. Is it just a bunch of like holes now that all of your trees oh, have? No, no, I keep <laughs> propping them back up. I keep propping them back up. That was another uh, tip I've given. You can prop them back up, get some dirt, some water. Mm. Uh, but what I'm trying to tell you here is when you've got those great inflatables, and I encourage you to go to Amazon and search by height, inflatable <laughs> and height. I, and uh, and that's what I did. I got a 21 foot cat. Think about that. It's taller that's than my a big, house. That, yeah, that's yeah, that's a big cat. Yeah, no, I looked out my daughter's like window and I was like staring at the cat. She's on the second floor. Um, it's pretty legit. But that also would probably function like a sale. And it did. It turns <laughs> out. Yeah. Mm, yep, 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 yep. What's yep. your tip? Uh, my tip is get your bulbs in the ground again. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it's still time. It's still time. I finally got. I finally got my last bulb in the ground. You know, I was getting ready, getting in the mood for the free money podcast right before this. Nice. I got my garlic bulbs in the ground. I got my um, what did I? I got a, I got a checkered lily that like has this really kind of cool pattern. Um, and you know, it's not too late to plant garlic in a lot of places. Amazing. Uh, All know, right. So yeah, yeah, that's it. You uh, heard it here. Second. Soak it in hydrogen peroxide if you're going to do it with the garlic. Now, there is a new tip. That's your tip. That's that's the tip. That's the tip. That's the tip. Soak it in hydrogen whatever it's called. Peroxide. Yeah, hydrogen peroxide. It's great. Actually, you can spray hydrogen peroxide on your plants normally, and you should. Oh, my God. You guys are getting so many fucking tips. The podcast (laughs) drips with alpha. Uh, All right. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.
Let me get rain on them.